Dos Marcos Podcast. It's the greatest mattress industry podcast on the planet. Wait, isn't this the only mattress industry podcast? He's Mark Kensley. I truly felt bad for you at the time. He's Mark Quinn. I think Bigfoot was actually very pleasant. Together, they are Dos Marcos. So my sister-in-law, who is um, pretty amazing, actually, she's got Kinsley four kids under the age of four. She's a foster parent, her and her husband, Mike, who is totally awesome also. And they're about to adopt these kids. So anyway, they're bringing these kids to my house, two of them anyway, because they want a night away. Can you imagine four under four, like no sleep, right? Four under four. Four under the age of four. That's got to be, that's a lot. They're going to have their own band. Maybe they could just call themselves four under four, right? Quattro. Quattros. Under Quattro. Sure, sure. Anyway, so they bring uh, two of the kids, uh, Olivia, cute, cute baby, and then Shane. He's like three. Uh, great kid. And so they bring them to our house to, like, you know, so they can go have a night away at a casino or something like that. And um, she starts in on me about the podcast. And she's like, I love your podcast. I'm like, why? So she's a nurse and does a lot for assisted living, and she does an incredible job for the business she works in. And um, she, so I'm like, why are you listening to our podcast? It's a mattress. She said, I love it. She said, I hey, great job on the promotion there, by the way. Why are you listening <laughs> to this thing? Well, you know, I'm just thinking, you know, it, it, as busy as she probably is, that she makes time to listen to our podcast is it touched my heart. I'm pretty sure my mm-hmm. wife doesn't listen, but her sister Pam does. So God bless her. Anyway, so she says, yeah, man, so um, there's a poll up on who, who people like better, which, which mark people like better. Who's your favorite podcast host? Who's your favorite podcast host? And I said, yeah. there, there is. I go, I haven't even seen it. And I said, I can't believe Kensley would make people pick he or I in terms of who they like better. So yeah. I, I, I get my phone out and I go to it and it says, uh, which podcast host do you like better, Mark or Mark? So there's there's no last names, but I was I was like I just couldn't figure. And then and then she says, by the way, being a true homer, I think you're winning. <laughs> so I went and checked that out, and that's not quite the case. But anyway, I well, I thought last, that was a good idea. Great. At job. last check, I I think I was ahead. Uh, no, I think you need to check it again. There were there were some people posted. I mean, you should actually go to check out that thread because it was pretty raucous. Oh yeah. I mean, they were people were few people. I don't think were happy with the way they actually wanted to pick. I think they wanted to. How do I pick Mark Quinn? I want to pick Mark Quinn. Well, I think that's no, what they're saying. I think if it were actually a contest, you'd probably be winning. You have by far have the better hair. That's clearly uh, going to give you a major tip tip of the scale. Yeah, but how many whale shirts do you have? No, I don't You've know. You got a lot of whale shirts. So then let's talk. So what were some of the comments? You you had checked those out. Yeah, well, one of them said, hey, Bill or George or anybody but Mark. And so I replied with a picture of President George Bush and President and Bill, Bill Clinton, Clinton together. Nice. I'm like, well that would be an interesting podcast. Yes, it would. Uh, that was one of them. And then somebody said it was rigged. And I think they were, they were correct. Yes, right. Uh, but you know, I'm all about I'm all about bifurcating the audience and getting them to choose a side. So that's all I was trying to do. I thought it was hilarious. And the fact that she had seen it and she's listening to our podcast, love her for that. Also, my neighbor, I've mentioned him before, Rob Fergerty, he even listens. So, hey, man, we're, we're outside of the. You know, Bridget listens to these podcasts about serial murderers. Yeah. And I, I listen to some of those guys. And I'm thinking you, you and I could do a serial murder 
podcast. I think we could be pretty good at that. You know, there are a lot, I have these alerts set up for anything that happens with mattresses. Yeah. And so like anytime somebody Don't on Google me. says mattress news, okay. I have an alert set up that comes to my inbox. And I tell you, one of the things I see a lot of, like certain crimes around mattresses, the mattress caught on fire and then somebody ended up this. And then you have mattresses flying off of cars going down I-80 and you, you just have like different one, mattresses with lots of money underneath. Of course, that's a classic one. And so anyway, there are crimes with mattresses. Maybe our spinoff podcast has something to do with crimes around mattresses. And we could tell the story and like be very reflective. I have a name. It. I have a name. You ready? Mattress mishaps. Mattress mishaps. You know what I'm saying? We could, that hey, works, right? We could even start with just a segment on the Dos Marcos podcast. About mattress mishaps. You know, um, I think we probably should stick to what we're doing. Yeah. But I, I, I do think it would be fun to go do a, You know what? If we did a murder show, like took a, a case of maybe an unsolved murder, and we did we did a little bit of research, and, we, and we, we actually did a podcast about that, my wife might actually listen to the show. You know, our wives must be wired similarly, because <laughs> my wife is like... Yeah, I'm totally out of podcasts. Like all the murder, like mystery yeah. crime podcasts yeah. are all done. And I'm like, hey, here's one for you. It's a couple of guys. They're crazy. They're fun. <laughs> they're talking about mattresses. You interested in that? You're sleeping with one of them, by yeah, the way. It's like, so, yeah. Hey, but you know, speaking of mattress mishaps, uh, that's kind of what we're talking about today is like what people might f- think of at this moment as, you know, a bit of a mishap. Like what is happening with Serta Simmons? You know, Dave Perry with Furniture Today reportedly uh, reporting that about 160 jobs cut at Serta, um, Serta Simmons, SSB, and a lot of those maybe on the sales side. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, um, you know, Derek gets promoted to chief sales officer, whereas it was a, an outsider in the industry who was chief sales officer, Dan Haran, up until now. So a lot happening, swirling around with SSB. What are you hearing? Well, same, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, yeah, the, so a big cut. Um, and so I think there's a lot of people that are really concerned about it. And so, um, obviously when you put, and it wasn't just sales. So there's a lot of sales guys that suffered from that. Um, I've got friends, I'm sure, you know, some people too. And so it's just hard. It's hard because we know these people and, and because of that decision now they're without a job. Uh, and that's a tough thing. Um, but the job market is needing people. So maybe that's a good thing. I don't know about our industry though. Um, so that's what I've been hearing, but also you, you come on the heels of market and the feedback about SSB products wasn't that great either. And so that concerns me. Then the, the things that people are telling me about SSB in terms of um, cost cutting measures, right? So in terms of product and manufacturing and trying to get costs down, I think that's always a good thing for a company to do. Uh, but even a lot of rumblings that they were trying to maybe reconcile some of their footprint at Vegas or pull out entirely. Uh, again, all of this coming to us. And we haven't talked to them, by the way. I, I reached out to the SSB guys, but didn't hear back from them by the time we did this podcast. So Kinsley, if they do come back to us, happy to have them on the show or take yeah. their talking points and feed them out as well. But so anyway, that's a lot, a lot to unpack there. So, um, yeah, but there's a lot going on. So. Yeah, you know, and it, and it made me think back Um you had a blog post uh, that went live at mquinn.com back in 2014, and I remember whenever I saw it, and I thought it's kind of a it's kind of a a nice way, you know, to grab somebody and kind of t- must tussle up their hair a little bit as they came into the industry in a friendly way. 
Um, but what you what you pointed out was people coming in from the outside, and this was in relation to Michael Traub taking the reins at Serta at the time. And you had talked about, hey, what is it like whenever an outsider comes into the industry, and how can they screw it up? And you kind of ran down a few things. So I. I I don't want to say it was like a prediction, but some of the things you pointed out, how do they stack up? Yeah. So um, interesting on that. Oh, by the way. Hey, TJ, what's up, man? So I met him recently. TJ. Great guy. He was, he's the one who's going to get the Dos Marcos tattoo, maybe, if I take him on a trip to England to see the mattress arm. Yeah. Okay. That, that no. might be worth it. So TJ, is that TJ Wheeling the fourth? Todd is his first name. So I didn't Todd. know. I went on his Facebook page and I realized who it was. And a great guy, actually. We had a lot of fun. Yeah, and he is... Uh, he was giving me crap, and, and I, told, I was giving him crap, and it was lots of fun. I tagged you in the comment because I'm like, hey, you may want to think about this. Are you willing to get somebody to have yeah, man, a I, full, like, angel back tattoo, <laughs> Dos Marco style? For I'm pretty to, sure that's not what he was talking about. Something but like that. That would be that's pretty cool to have a Dos Marcos tat, wouldn't it? Yeah. Uh, anyway, so let's go to some of the things that I had said, Kinsley, in that... Um, in that blog, and if you post. want to go look at this blog post from the past, I'll, we'll, I'll link up to it in the show notes. But it's at mcoin.com. You can just search for what's the title of it. Um, yeah, it's uh, let's see, five. Hang on, five signs an outsider won't make it in the mattress industry. And so, Michael, when I first met Michael, he was like, you know what? Oh, so I met him at the Furniture Today Betting Conference, and he was like, I said, hey, my name is Mark Quinn, and. He's like, oh, I know who you are. He said, I, you know, I've had five people give me your blog about how I'm going to fail in the industry. I go, wait a minute. That's not what I said. I said, if you are going to do one of the five things that I list out, then chances are you will fail. But I know you're smarter than that and you will not do those things, right? <laughs> so he was giving me crap about it and we laughed. It was all good natured. But anyway, so that was the you know, the time I had with Michael talking about that. But a couple of the things that we did discuss in the blog. Number one was underestimating a relationship with the industry, right? So you can't underestimate how tight people are in this business. I know it's a $14 billion retail business or $7 billion, however you cut it. But man, I'm telling you, as you well know, because you've been in it, uh, people care about that. And I'm not saying it gets you business, but I will tell you that it goes a long way to get you in or for you to have respect as you're sitting in front of a retailer. If you're not from the industry and you come in, you really don't have a right to even have an opinion about how they should or could improve what they're doing. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. I mean, if you come in thinking that you know more than these local yokels and you're going to show them how it's done and, and you try to, you know, shoehorn people into doing business your way or like you said just discount the fact that people want to be able to sell products they want to have confidence that distribution is going to be there that their suppliers are going to do what they say they're going to help them out whenever they're in a pinch like that trust that you build up over time by doing the right thing and having those good partnerships goes a long way because you you can trust that your business is going to be able to thrive because you have good partners you know, so it, people come in from the outside i mean it can be tricky because that trust needs to be established somehow and I was reading something in Cranes about Michael and something that he had said about a previous business fail in one of his other past lives. And he had that in his brain coming forward into uh, the SSB, understanding and appreciating the complexity of taking two companies' cultures and crashing them into one another and trying to evolve. But, you know, one thing they did, so I'm not saying Michael, 
went in trying to tell these guys how to run their business. I, I met the time I've been with him, he's a pretty humble guy and, I, and very likable guy. But they did bring an outsider in to run sales. So the person that you have in that spot, I would think you would want someone who was connected inside of the industry, who knew the ins and outs, who understood how complex it was when you look at co-op advertising and branding and the retail sales associate and the role that they play. You know what I'm saying? So I think yeah. there's a lot to it that you can't underestimate. So. Yeah, and I, I think that when you look at, and I agree, Michael, uh, you know, he was one of the first people to reach out to me whenever I took the president's job at Englander. Michael Traub, you'd sent me a note on LinkedIn, which Is I thought was right? very nice. nice. And he's always been, you know, a very kind person to, you know, to me. And, and he's been dealt the hand he's been dealt. And, you know, I think we're all going to look back on our careers at some point and say, you know, this was good and this is where I made a mistake. But I'll tell you what, when you level set and you just look at reality, you have Serta and Simmons, two mortal enemies that came together under one umbrella and have tried to form a new culture. And so you're, you're not only taking two distinct cultures and you're trying to put them together, you're taking two very fierce competitors and now trying to form some sort of a culture. And you know, we've talked about this a bunch. When you go into an environment, if you don't learn your way in and acknowledge the culture, culture's gonna eat strategy for lunch. So now what do you do? I mean, this is a multi-year process, it would seem to me, if you're gonna take competitors, distinct cultures, and put them together, you're not gonna have a culture that exists. You're gonna have to create a new one. And I think right. that's why they've been trying to put people in Atlanta in a central headquarters because you know what is it's just like you talked about a minute ago. These relationships matter. And relationships even in your work environment matter to, to a very high degree because that builds trust. You have to have shared experiences. It's it's a tough putt. No, no doubt. And I'm gonna go back to something you said all true about Michael. Here's the issue. You've got private equity. Uh, and, and someone said to me recently, Michael's a smart guy, but part of it is that the private equity guys may be not valuing the industry the same way, right? Industry insiders, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and so maybe some of that was pushed onto him in terms of how he approached that and guys he brought in and the way he managed it initially. So that having said that, set that aside. Um, but culture, even the, the, the remember Kinsley, Serta was number one in the industry they and i never understood how one plus one was going to equal two there because you've got serta and simmons both kind of the same right they're both using pocketed coil they're both kind of hitting the same price points across the 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 market segmentation and, and so when you say does one plus one equal two i don't know that it does because there's a lot of blur in that now on the other side of it you look at tempur very distinct personality in the memory foam category with temper preferred one of the only preferred brands i think there is and then you have sealy which is very distinct in terms of you know the chevrolet bed for the masses that had a wide range and then you had stearns and foster positioned very clearly as luxury they had very three very different approaches to the the consumer i think yeah and meanwhile like if you were to take that article you wrote about you know five signs an outsider is not going to make it you might, you might have been using that on one side of the, the equation with SSB, but on the other side of the coin, you have Scott Thompson with Tempur-Pedic, who was an outside of the industry guy. You have Rick Anderson, who's president of Tempur-Pedic North America, who was a Duracell guy. 
Right. I mean, so you have people that have come in from outside the industry, but I think you, you landed on something that's really important is the conditions that exist within that environment are really going to have an impact on somebody's ability to take outside thought processes, people put them into play and have it work because Tempur-Pedic, very unique product. Like you said, Serta Simmons product, pretty similar, right? You know, so your portfolio had some definition over here with, you know, the outsiders coming in. And meanwhile, it didn't have as much definition, you know, within the SSB environment. You bring up a good point. It would be an interesting topic for a conversation over a beer is, you know, the AB contrast and compare of the Temper Sealy program to SSB, what they've both done and, and, and who got it right and why they got it right. I think it's clear what's happening now. Uh, but back to the SSB, you know, culturally speaking, it was very difficult too because they picked Atlanta. So Serta was number one. I think a lot of key spots early on went to Simmons people, but yet Serta was the dominant brand at the time. So I think there was hurt feelings over that. I think agreeing to move everyone to Atlanta for whatever reason, again, created some issues internally, right? So there's some ego, I think, in some of that, which is natural. So I think there was a lot early on, and then now it's just steamrolled. And Kinsley, I'm going to tell you, you and I both agree with this, and I think we've said it in the past, it is very difficult for a company to cut their way to success. So I think it's very important to stay healthy. So cost reduction on, you know, in factory setting, right? So how do you get more lean and be more efficient to produce? Get it. I think Serta's costs have gone, SSB's costs have gone up over the last couple of years, though. Uh, and then uh, on top of that, you look at, um, you know, the conversation around Vegas market that several have talked to me about. Maybe are they going to stay in? Are they going to just get smaller in Vegas market? I don't think you can pull out of Vegas market, but it's some of that behavior and some of that thinking that really concerns me for anyone, not just SSB. Well, people, this has been a classic conversation in the industry for years. You know, companies change hands. And whenever that happens, you know, a lot of times we've seen it go to private equity groups. And with a private equity group, you have cost-cutting measures they want to put into play because who knows what the motivation is there behind the scenes. So if you come in and you want to wring every penny out of the company, you're going to squeeze that sponge until it's dry, and you're going to do it not through innovation, investment, and growth strategies. You're going to do it through cost-cutting measures. And, you know, I've heard people, you know, some of these executives from back in the day, they're like, you know, I've sat down with, Lots of Harvard MBAs who think they can run my business better than, than I can. And they all recommend the same things. And they discount relationships. They discount the complexity of the industry. And they look at it on a spreadsheet into taking into account what you can learn by ground and pound, by getting out there and understanding this industry. So, I mean, ultimately, there's lots of different factors that can go into you know, restructuring a company and its health on the other side. But man, if you think about it thematically, that's what's happening in the industry to a very high degree because you have you know, one of the largest you know, <laughs> mattress companies and the largest retailers both going through a similar significant reset. Right. With mattress firm going through bankruptcy, Serta Simmons having a bunch of money tied up, you know, serving that business. There, there's, it's a major reset. You know, people might attribute it to online and the shift to dollars there, but we've seen these things happen before as well. No, no doubt. Um, and resets aren't always bad. You know, sometimes you have to get, we, we just did it with Spink and Edgar, now Spink and Co. Product 
wasn't right for us. I mean, it was fine and we were selling and it was a profitable business, but we got to a point where we had to say, this isn't getting the traction we want it to get. You have to make a decision and you have to reset and you have to reinvent and you have to acknowledge that what you're doing isn't really working. So if Mattress Firm just went through chapter, right? So they got to that reset uh, and SSB might be on the same page. And sometimes you got to um, you gotta, it, it's gotta get bad before it can get better. And I trust that that's where they're at and things will get better. Um, and so, you know, we talk about the, one, one of the last things in this blog was a respect issue. And if, you know, th there, there was some commentary about, you know, letters being sent out for changes that are being made to the relationship with the retailer, you know, probably not the best way to do that. You know, and I'm not saying that they're the only ones that have done that, but you know, if you're going to raise a price or, you know, I think for the, the, the main customers that you have, you probably want to make a phone call and do some of that stuff. But I think just all of these things kind of piling onto each other, I think has created problems for them. But hey, well, Bob Munkle and Brent Lemer, yes, please wear your shirt when you listen to the podcast. It's actually better when you do that, I think. Yes, so anyway, go ahead and finish your comments. No, if, if anybody thinks that, like you said, a reset can be a very good thing. And thematically, you know, I think about my situation. I mean, part of the reason I was brought in yeah, very to, true. to Englander is because the brand has strength in certain pockets. But about the only thing it stands for is, hey, we have good products we know we're not going to get a phone call about. Right. That's fine, but that's table stakes to me. So sure. I'm investing in reinventing Englander. You know, and taking, you know, the good parts about that. And I've been, I spent a month and a half on the road just learning about that brand, what it meant to people, how retail sales associates talked about it, where we were strong, what we need to do differently, how we can, you know, form a, a stronger bond of trust with consumers and with the RSAs. I'm in the middle of a reset too. But so I get it. But you're also giving a lot of respect to two groups. Number one, people internally, because you're having a lot of discussions with people inside of Englander. Who do you think we are? Where do you think we should go? So I know that's happening. So I had a hats off to you. But <clears throat> excuse me. In addition, you're having the same kind of discussion with the people uh, that you're selling to. So the consumer, the, the customer, the, the betting retailer. And so I think that goes a long way, really. I mean, it does. And so people just want to be listened to. They want to know that their opinion is valued. And I think that's exactly what you're doing. So well, and, and I think it's funny too when you when you dig in. Um, a lot of your guts, like the things that you know you should be doing as a brand that we should be doing as an industry, that's what even people, even insiders say we should be doing. We should make really good products that are easy to understand. So how do you, and that's the challenge here. Just because something is simple doesn't make it easy, right? Right. No doubt. So we need to simplify things. Well, simplifying things and making it palatable for the consumer is not easy always. So that's the challenge. That's the creativity. That's the learning that you have to put in. And, and really, like you said, that was the request across the board. Let's make it, let's make it easy to understand. Let's build the trust. Let's you know, have a national line that's really strong with a great story to tell. But people have to be able to navigate that, understand it, and know that they made a good decision. That is not cost-cutting. And the, the request was never, hey, we got to cut some costs here. No. Never. No. And, and when you go to market in January and Serta Simmons betting is struggling anyway, and then you go to market and you think that um, 
you know, this is your moment to show people that you get it and you're on board and you're going to make some moves to improve things. It's not just that they just let people go. I also think it's the phone calls that I've had. People just don't feel like they are fixing it. Right. So market, great example of that. So what? So if, if there's an issue and you're cutting 160 people, what's the action plan? How are you going to fix the problem? The, the phone calls I've had, like I said, have suggested that th there isn't a solid plan or they don't see that there's a solid plan for it to, to get a lot better. But hey, man, they and by the way, last comment, I don't want to let Traub and the leadership team off the hook because at the end of the day, Englander succeeding or failing, Spink & Co succeeding or failing, SSB succeeding or failing, it starts and it stops at the very top levels. That's the bottom line. I don't care what market conditions are. I don't care any of those things. The bottom line is it is a thousand percent about leadership and where those guys are taking the business. Do you agree with that? You know, you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of, of uh, Carol Moran. Okay. And so Carol ran Corsicana yep. for a lot of years, built that into a, a really incredible business. But I know, I mean, I only met Carol a couple of times, but I, I knew Chad and his team, they were gunslingers. And I, there's a place for that. There's a place for somebody to come in and say, why are we doing it that way? Oh, that's because that's what we've institutionalized as a group. Forget about that. We're not going to do it that way anymore. Let's go out and shoot some javelinas and then we're going to come back and we're going to change this business. Like there's a, Did you just say shoot some javelinas? Yeah, shoot some of those wild pigs. <laughs> okay, so did Carol invite you to go shoot javelinas with no, him? No, it's just... An like, how did that get inserted into this he, he, they discussion? Did, they did that, by the way, several times. They leave meetings so, and go shoot hogs. But th that's the mentality that I think we need more of sometimes. Like whenever you get too corporate, too bloated, too institutionalized, we need to say, hey, wait a minute. This is dumb. Why are we doing it this way? We need some plain speak. This is this is dumb. Like somebody and you're right. It starts at the top and ends at the top. Michael may be dealing with a mess. We don't know. It could be a dumpster fire behind the scenes there, but it is going to start and stop with him. And sometimes, you, you know, private equity or no, you got to have a guy like you know, John Ledger, who went into T-Mobile and said, we're not going to do that anymore. We're just not going to do that anymore. And I'm going to fly that flag. And he's pretty much out there saying, I'm going to do the right thing. Kick me out if you don't want this. You know, I was listening to Gary V, uh, Gary Vanyerchuk, uh, who I, I think I like his content. And I like his content a lot because he's a complete ass kicker. By the way, I have an idea. Anytime, oh, I, yeah, okay, go I, I got to go back to Gary V, but I, I'm ADD. So you got to follow me on this before I lose my Look thought. at that right there. Stop. And I looked. <laughs> I absolutely looked. Um, anytime code word, because you, you and I were talking about language and how you can like, you know, create your own vernacular. Mm -hmm. Here's a thought for you based on that inspiration. Whenever we say sometimes you just got to go shoot a pig. Mm. That means you got to get away from your business Javelina. It's javelina. more. It's more distinct. Shoot a javelina. Sometimes you just got to go shoot a javelina. Okay. So if you could say if we we just got to go shoot a javelina, it means t time out, time out, and mm -hmm. go and step away, go take a minute, and then come back to the table and be inspired by something. Is that? Yeah, and I think also it it means when you say go shoot a javelina, we're saying this is dumb. Let's step away and put ourselves back in the driver's seat 
and be badasses again. Truly. Okay. So take a step, go shoot a javelina, and then come Let's back. Let's come at back it. and be on the offense. Amen. So Gary V, back to my. All right. See so now how we're you back. Put there? that in our playbook. Shoot. So a play number one of the Dos Marcos playbook play is going to be shoot a javelina. Shoot a javelina. Uh, and so <laughs> we have a problem. Uh, and and so Gary V's comment was. You know, I, I get so tired of people coming to me asking how to be successful or have passive income on the internet or whatever. And and everybody just has these easy buttons. And his frustration is true, which is get in the game, roll up your sleeves, find out what the basics are, go read that, you know, five reasons you might fail if you're an outsider in the industry, and go back to that and 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 drive hard, work your butt off. And uh, just go back to the Vince Lombardi form of football, which is be brilliant on the basics. What do you say? I like it. I like right. it a lot. And I tell you what, the people that I've seen do really well in this industry are the people that just keep showing up. You just keep showing up. I mean, it's back to, you know, in college, whenever, I mean, I, I had like a really crappy GPA after the first year of being in college. You? Yeah. I can't believe Oh, that. it was terrible. Really? Like, what was it? 1.8. Okay. After thirty, I, not after to, thirty hours. I, I of realize, school. I realize, I'm about to like one up you, and that's like kind of annoying to do. But I am going to. But this is. Are like, you saying that you're going to be the, the most favorite, Mark? No, no. I, I just want more empathy because. So this is like not one up. It's like one down because I was worse than that. I was a 1.0, if you can imagine. After thirty hours. No, I had like 15 hours. Oh, 15. So that's half a year. I'm talking after no, no, a full year. No, no, no. I'm talking year. about a, a semester. I carried oh. 15 hours and I got a 1.0 I had GPA. a semester with like a 0.9 oh, at then one you point. <laughs> so I mean, Kinsley hold on. is no, the sorry. dumbest. It was a Marcus, point, that it was is a clearly point. the case. Sorry, you had a 0.1. You had a, I had a 1.0. 1. I had a 0.99999. So I barely <laughs> beat you. Sorry about that. Uh, the no, dumbest but, Marco. But I, but I tell you what, well, okay, so the, the, the story, in, that story ends well, which was I decided I wanted to go to graduate school uh-huh. and you can't do that with a... And get in the mattress business. Right. But so I, gra- I graduated. I ended That's up beautiful. getting a 3.5 See, I never, at the end of it. I never turned it around. Where was that going? I'm still a 1.0. You're still a 1.0. <laughs> <laughs> I'm version 1.0. I'm evolving all There you the go, time. version 1.0. So can you, can you remember before we close this thing down? Do you remember the... No, what were we t- what were we talking about? Where I was going to use where the, are we the going to school as an analogy? Help us out, Facebook. Oh my gosh, you see what's I happening? Know. I can't this read your what brain. I can't read your mind. I don't know where you were going. Can't read with my that. brain. No, stop. <laughs> so here's I'm going to say something, and as I'm saying this, you'll probably think of it, and then you can finish this up once you get that thought back in your brain. And by the way, now that I put that much emphasis on it, you're never going to think of it. So. <laughs> Uh, the, the last comment I would make on the sort of Simmons betting, great, great people. So if you're listening to this and you work for sort of Simmons betting, uh, my guess is there's nobody that is more frustrated or believes this to be true than you. Um, you guys are great. Um, we have a lot of friends there. Uh, this is not, um, us throwing shade on the people of the company. Um, feel for you, uh, feel for all of you and especially the people who just lost their jobs, anything we can do, reach out to us on our Facebook page, Dos Marcos, um, facebook.com uh, forward slash Dos Marcos podcast. And uh, let us know, man. We'll, we'll connect you to people. Reach out to us on LinkedIn. Um, but you know what? You're on the right path and um, or you're on your path anyway. And there are good things ahead. Just uh, go out and kick some butt. Yeah, stay positive. Go out and shoot that javelina. 
Um, no, I mean, seriously, like go out and say, if I was going to be in the driver's seat, the most amazing, aggressive version of myself, what does that look like? And this is a chance for a reset for you, just like it's a reset for the industry. And, and like you said, we've got a lot of friends um, at, at SSB and we want the best for you, for all of you. And um, so please do reach out if we can help. We're happy to do it. We want this industry to thrive. And, and one of the things I think that's always been a part of our mission, um, and we talk about this behind the scenes, we don't have it like formalized anywhere, is like we want to bring talented, motivated, interesting, creative people to the surface. Like we want to shine a light on them. So we're always happy to help if somebody does reach out and uh, we can do anything for you. Got that right. So, uh, you know what? That brings us to the close of today. By the way, go to dosmarcospodcast.com. That's the website for the podcast. Get signed up to our email newsletter. It's really easy. And we have seven reasons to subscribe. I think you're going to like number three. Just Especially. go check it out. And uh, DosMarcosPodcast.com. Give us a rating if you don't mind a review on iTunes. Oh, by Dos the way. Marcos Podcast. Five is preferable. It really is. Give us a five star if you think about it uh, on your iTunes app as well. Because last time I checked, it was the highest rated mattress podcast on itunes the best ever and you know what else is the best ever what's that this song you can bounce on it what is a hybrid it's like peanut butter jelly peanut butter chocolate hybrid so tight there's no way that you could topple it hybrid on my wrist that's a calculator watch we add ourselves together and we take it up a notch got the airflow yo keep you cool as it get visco foam alone to make you drip sweat get a hybrid mattress yes you'll get better rest cool and comfortable hybrid like a sweater vest you know the game we're ahead of the sun cause the two of us together are way better than one cause i'm cool as ice and i'm hot like a heater bounce by the ounce now we got it by the leader well, you take a spring and you wrap it up right you can sleep so smooth the bounce all night yeah. put two together get a whole lot more get the feel of the comfort core you can bounce on it lay back you don't have to practice it's the best thing to happen to your mattress get together to do it like i did everybody get high if you want somebody to get in your vicinity, you probably want to feel a little bit of a hybridity. Foam alone, out of five, maybe one star. Springs and foam, we're taking care of that lumbar. Mad back support, the best way to shack up or just get rest that won't mess your back up. Like a hot chick mixed with a particle physicist or a mullet. Party in the back of the business. Best of both worlds like Mars and Venus. The ultimate hybrid. Keeping it loose while keeping it tight We can make you sleep or play all night Put two together, get a whole lot more Get the feel of the comfort core You can bounce on it No stopping when the beat gets played back Springs keep it popping, foam keeps it laid back Party over here, get invited Everybody get hybrid Listen, doesn't matter if your kitchen is charming When your bedroom's the most important part of the apartment What kind of bed do you keep back there? Does your girl want to chill on a beanbag chair? Hell no! You need springs and foam Cause if that bowling ball don't bounce You'll be sleeping alone And if the bed don't react Then you can't get low We got that type of bounce That won't spill your Merlot So stick with us and you'll get rewarded Cause I'm so gentle And I'm so supportive Hi. Is where the 
magic is. And we just killed a song about mattresses. 